Brother, please hear me. Please hear me. This is not a knock on you or, or your life or your upbringing. The reason he says it is not to make our lives bad or in any way degrade us. He does it because he's protecting us from your story. Welcome back to the podcast. I love this guest, Chad Warren, sitting to my left. So good to have you. Father, husband, pastor at First Baptist Georgetown. Um, and now assistant sixth grade girls basketball coach. Okay. That's a new How's that going? Uh, it's interesting. You you don't know what kind of patience is required when you are <laughs> coaching sixth grade girls basketball. Okay. That's a new okay. level. Maybe I'll but, be there one day. Yes, I hope you are, because it's a it's a process of just kind of taking off the rough edges. London is in fourth. Yeah, she's in fourth, so I'm right behind you. Because even coaching, the difference between coaching my sons and my and then coaching my daughter, so different. Just yeah, I bet. I bet. It's a different approach in every way. We have to add to your resume. Also, now you are podcast host yes of the take and read podcast that's take and a and d yes. read podcast that could i could i just say that because it makes me feel good to say it's a spinoff of this podcast yes absolutely you are <laughs> grandfather godfather like it is absolutely a spinoff and i hope i hope it keeps spinning it's been so fun you you've actually had parker yeah me Bernie yep. as guest. Those yep. are the three that I know that have been on, on this microphone. So uh, it, it is the in-depth journey that you could take after you hear this podcast and you go, golly, they're, they're talking about some, some Bible stuff. And then the Take and Read podcast goes into the actual Bible. Yeah. You're, you're, you have it open. You're actually going through Scripture in a very um, entry-level way. Right. And I don't mean that in, in any kind of negative way, besides the fact that it's it's literally take the scripture, read it slowly, one line at a time, just a few lines, and discuss what jumps off the page at you. Right. You're not you're not referencing some deep theological sermon or anything. you're just no. going, what is you what do you think this means? Yeah, I mean part of the 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 format is that a guest, and you've experienced this now a couple of times. You are now our most frequent guest because you've <laughs> been, been on there, there twice. twice. Okay. <laughs> but the idea is that you don't know the passage. Yeah. Because I don't want you to be able to study it in advance, research it, find cool, nuanced things and definitions and commentaries. It's just two followers of the Lord breaking open the text and reading it, guided by the Holy Spirit. Let's have a conversation and let's apply this thing to our life. So good, man. And I, I listened uh, on the way to Thanksgiving. I listened to the one with you and Parker. Is that the most recent one? Y well, yeah, yes. I think so. I yeah. mean, unless you yeah. count the one that you're in, okay. that's the most recent one. Okay, I got you. So I listened to the one with you and Parker, and I was just, um, I was, I, I really loved it. I really loved the flow of it. So for for you guys listening, um, he releases on Wednesday. Take and read podcast. Highly recommend it. The, the format of this podcast is I answer your questions, whatever they might be. It, it could be any subject. We, we don't limit the subjects at all, and you'll find out today 
that they are all over the map, but you could email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. And then Chad and I will we'll go through this without notes, without preparation. Chad has not heard any of these questions, and I have only skimmed the first couple of lines and just enough to categorize what they're, what they're going to be. And we, we like to do it in a setting where it's almost like we're sitting around a campfire. I mean, we're camping and there's two of us and we're sitting on logs and there's another, yeah. there's a third person and it goes, you know, it's kind of quiet yes. as we're watching the fire crackle and you go, can I ask you guys something? You know, something I've been kind of wrestling with or something I'm excited about or a question I'm really trying to iron out in my life. And we go, okay, let's walk through this. Yeah. And like that setting, you're not always going to take your friend's advice, but sure. you, you know that there's no, like there, there's no motivation to tell you other than what's on their mind and they're, they're going to shoot straight with you. And sure. that's what we're going to try to do. Cause I, I mean, I've, it's inevitable. We will get a question and we'll go, well, that I have 10 more questions based yeah. on their question about the scenario. And we just don't have that information. So we just, man, we just go with what we got and take it or leave it. Let me make a confession to you. Today, as I was prepping for this podcast, one of the questions that I was looking at had a number on, on it, a phone number on it. And I was tempted <laughs> to reach out to that phone number and say, could we put you live on the podcast? Oh, yeah. So comment below if that's something that, that would might be interesting, if maybe once a podcast... We actually call them. That would be awesome. That'd be wild. The only reason I didn't just jump on it today was I was like, technically, how am I going to hook the phone up? Like, oh, how, yeah. How am I going to like live while I'm doing this? And of course, I could figure it out. But but I wanted to kind of just say it on the air with you too, that it is a possibility that one day we could call somebody, read their question yeah. as they're on the phone, and then me and you walk through it and, and they could respond back. It'd be kind of cool. That would be, yeah, I'm up for that. Okay. That would be awesome. All right. First question of the day. You know, I like to go with the light one first. I found this yeah. one. Subject line says, my pups are frustrating sometimes. Mm. Hey, Granger, my name is Austin. I live in Virginia. Me and my fiance have two pups right now. One, it's becoming really, <laughs> let me read this again. We have two pups right now and it's becoming really difficult. I don't have as much of an issue but the puppies have gotten to be a good size where my fiance is finding it hard to control them. We love them so much. We're taking, we are taking it really hard and having so much trouble. We've contemplated selling them to a good home, but I just can't help feeling like I would be abandoning them when, just because the going is getting tough. Any advice would be much appreciated. I look forward to listening to your podcast. Austin, you have any dogs? We have, yeah, uh, we have a dog and yeah. we were never going to have dogs. And then I was in Africa, in Uganda, and I was up in a mountain village there speaking to some pastors. And after lunch, one of them came out with a box that had a puppy in it, hmm. and it was a gift. Now, normally you, you can expect a goat or a chicken, which is something that you would then butcher and eat. And everyone I was with was like, you can't eat a dog. What are you going to do with this thing? So my wife, trying to kind of be good and supportive who had always said we're never going to own a dog um partially because there's i mean there's a lot of factors but so not that we don't like dogs but uh she said yeah sure if you can get him home we found a way to get him home mm -hmm. so we have a dog he's two years old and i can relate to austin's sentiment yeah, i can too puppies are challenging they are destructive they are 
like, yeah, obviously there's good methods of training, but they can still just get, uh, they can frustrate you. Oh. Totally. Austin, I got a couple, a couple of directions I can go with you here. First, I want to, just like Chad, I want to affirm your, your struggle. I want to tell you, I want to speak into you right now that, that rehoming this, these dogs or this, or one dog is, is not a knock on you. It's not bad. It's not a bad thing. You're, you're not abandoning right. them. As long as you're rehoming properly, responsibly rehoming this dog, um, and you're, you're making a, a conscious effort to find the right home, hey, but there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I would rather you do that than you just kennel this dog and, mm-hmm. and it's, it just has a terrible life in your apartment. But um, there's a couple of more components to this. One, what you're feeling is very normal and will go away when they hit about two years old. Yeah, buddy. Somewhere around two, there's like this magical time in a dog's life where they just become a good dog. You get, you get them as a puppy, they're so cute. And then they get to this teenage age, which I have one right now. She is, she's about 20 months, 18, 20 months, something like that. And it's just like, they're like a teenager. Just, t- yes, just totally. Annoying. Like they know the rules. Yeah. But they sometimes will look at you yeah. and do the opposite. Yeah. And you're like, what? Yes. You know better. So you could, I, I could suggest this, but it costs money, but you could ship them away to some kind of doggy boot camp. Mm-hmm. I know they have them in, in Austin and it's expensive. It's like a thousand bucks, but they're gone and they'll take them for four to six weeks and they will come back a new dog. And you have to do some training too, because they yes. are now accustomed to yes. a certain type of commands and treatment mm-hmm. and triggers. And so you've got to learn all that stuff. Yeah. yeah I, and I'm like right there on the fence right now yeah. with our, with our youngest Luna. I'm like, oh, I don't really want to spend a thousand dollars on this dog. And I, from the very beginning, I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that to the, I'm going to train this dog myself. But then I started touring and then we have a baby and I'm like, maybe I should sh- ship this dog away. For How old is she? She's, she's like 20 months. So like, you're like four to five months away from the chill so. out period. But th- this summer, I think she's going to start chilling out. So, so there's that. Th- those are the different components. Um, or you could do it yourself and just, wait out the storm but i understand your frustration and you guys you Mm -hmm. don't want to be doing this with a baby so if you guys are planning on you know if the wedding soon you got a baby coming soon you don't want to be dealing with this and a newborn in the house so um i I would you could also much a much cheaper option is you could do the puppy class with them Mm. and do a group class yeah you can do obedience training yeah mm -hmm. where you're there and that's that's instead of a thousand bucks that's like a hundred bucks which is still a chunk of change, but you show up with the dog and like every Monday, you know, Mondays at yep. 6 p.m. I, I remember doing that with a, a lab I had many years ago. So, <laughs> And that's probably more accountability that, that the dog will get trained and you will be an effective dog owner yeah. than like watching YouTube channels. Because there are YouTube right. channels that are like, you know, learn to train your dog in seven steps. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. So I, funny story, I remember taking my, my lab, Rio. This was in 2002. I got this dog. I was living by myself in Nashville. Got this dog and, you know, it was the great, great idea getting this puppy and he was awesome. And then he hits this teenage stage. So I was like, I'll grab him to sign him up. We're going to go to a camp together. So we signed up for this, this uh, training every Monday. And day one, I showed up with him. And they had, they had this table 
this like folding table set up with all these papers and they were, they were taken, there was a line of people and everyone was signing up, you know, to join the class. And so I go up there with Rio on the leash and he sees another dog and he takes off and his leash wraps around that folding table (laughs) and it just whips it up, whips it together. A whole table collapses and all the papers go everywhere. That's like a movie scene. You've got the most challenging dog and this is what happens at doggy training. And all I could say was, now you know why I'm here. <laughs> and everyone just kind of laughed. I mean, in any other situation, it would have been terrible, except for the doggy training class. We go, yeah, well, welcome. Welcome to the class. Good question, Austin. Good luck to you, brother. Um, uh, one more easy one. Granger, I was wondering what you put in your coffee every morning. Do you drink black, cream, sugar, etc.? I love what you do. Thanks for, thanks for always being there for us fans. This comes from Michael. So keep in mind, this is he's just fresh off of brushing his teeth and they're minty clean. <laughs> That's right. If Chad you want to know the of backstory of that, go check out the first episode of the Take and Read podcast. Mm-hmm. We hear about his morning routine. So yeah. he's got mint on on the mouth. He's minty. <laughs> so what do you pair with mint in your coffee? <laughs> oh, Chad loves the story that I like to drink <laughs> drink coffee after I brushed my teeth in the morning. Comment below. Do you brush your teeth? After you drink coffee or before, I like to wake up and brush my teeth and then drink coffee. I know it's weird. Obviously, Chad really thinks it's weird. I've gotten more comments about that than anything else (laughs) in the emails that I get. And now people in the subject line will put the order of events. They'll put like brush, coffee, brush, or... Double brush. Yeah, there's some double brushers out there. Yeah, that's rough on the gums. Okay. And some people are like, well, it depends on the time of day. Like for Granger, it's first thing in the morning. But some people are like, I brush my teeth first because I don't drink coffee for another couple hours. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, that makes sense. Sure. Some are moms that just, you know, the morning happens and then they're getting kids to school and things are sure. happening. But you, it's like you wake up, <laughs> guzzle water, brush your teeth, then get ready for your nice cup of coffee. So what do you put in your coffee? Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't put anything in my coffee, just straight black. And I used to, I've gone through phases in my life where I'll go, I'll get really into like drip coffee mm-hmm. or, or French press. Yeah. And I used to do this on the bus. I would get like really good beans and then grind them and then French press it or, or drip yeah. and get really into it. And I always go back to the K-cup, the Keurig cup. I'm just like, man, here, Convenience. It, here it is. Just yeah. popping it. There's, luckily, I feel like I'm very blessed in this aspect. The, I don't, I'm not a coffee snob and I'm definitely not a wine snob. Yeah. Like, thank God I don't have a high, highfalutin taste for wine. Right. That can get spendy. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. And, and same with coffee. Like, I, I'll take, I mean, I don't want the cheapest stuff you got, but give me the next level up from your cheapest stuff. I'll drink it black. Good to go. Yeah. That's so good. Do you visit, like, when you're on tour, do you visit coffee shops? Yeah. Yeah. We actually, I, I do like coffee shops because um, usually it's the first thing that's open in the town that mm-hmm. we, we go to park. And at seven in the morning, I get up the bus and the, the coffee shop is the only place that's open. So you can go in there, you can you can get, like, maybe a small breakfast, like a taco or something, and then a cup of coffee. And I will say that if it's... I never try to drink a coffee after three o'clock in the afternoon. That will affect my nighttime. But if it's like two o'clock, one o'clock, and I go to a coffee shop, I could do cream then. Like, okay, yeah. I could do a cappuccino. Yeah. 
But first thing in the morning, it's always black. What do you, do you ever drink coffee pregame? Like before a show, what, do you have to think about what you eat and drink in order, like what, how that's going to affect mm-hmm. your energy and. There's times when I do, there's times when I, I had a, a 3 a.m., you know, airport call. Hmm. And then the show's at 10 p.m. that night and I re- didn't have time for a nap. And I'll just, I'll have to weigh it out. Like, w- do I want to have a, have a better show with a kick of caffeine or do I want to make sure I have a good night's sleep tonight? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I could weigh it out where it's like, man, I'm so tired. I'm going to go to sleep after the show, no matter what. So a cup of coffee right before the show, get me energized for that 90 minutes. Yeah. And it literally does. It'll energize me just for that show. And then I can come off the stage and, and still crash pretty quick. I go, I go to sleep fast after my show. Okay. We uh, we were introduced, my wife and I were introduced to the concept of a nappuccino. Okay, now I don't know what if this is, is true, that? but we believe, again, I don't know that this is true, but that it takes about 20 minutes for caffeine to hit the system. So there's something about if you like just down a cup of coffee or some sort of caffeine without sugar in it, and then can go and sleep for 20 minutes, you'll wake up feeling like eight hours of sleep just You've happened. done this? Yeah. It works. Sometimes. Sometimes. If I can get to sleep and it's a good sleep, 20 minutes, bam, I wake up and I feel restored. Interesting. The nappuccino. The key is you can't have sugar in that because you're not going to fall asleep. You don't have sugar regardless of anything. No, that stuff is bad for you. Yeah. We can talk about it another time. Hey, side note, I think I might have told you this before. There's been scientific studies on rats you you can addict rats if that's a, is that a word addict you could make rats addicted to cocaine in a cage and introduce sugar they will reject the cocaine and go to the sugar every time come on yes what does See? that say what does that say about us yeah. right what does that say about our sugar addictions oh, worse man. than cocaine yeah all right let's get to another question is that um, one of those comments that will make the tagline of the, like, worse than cocaine? <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> the, the thumbnail? Yes. Okay. This one says, friends, parentheses, for Granger and Pastor Chad. Oh, right on. Hi, Granger and Pastor Chad. I'm right outside of Seattle, Washington. I'm turning 16 in June, and I go to a good-sized church, about 1,500 members. That is good size. Especially for Seattle. I have had... Um, I have not had any friends for about four to five years ever since becoming homeschooled. I have a few people I talk to, but none I'm close with because we have nothing in common. They like cameras and businesses. I like snowmobiling, dirt biking, hunting, and scuba diving. When I talk about anything that they don't like, they get annoyed and bored. How can I find people I have more things in common with and make friends? Hmm. Uh, Timmy. It comes from Timmy. In so Timmy's 16. Seattle, 16 years old. Homeschooled, uh, so probably 16 is what? Junior? Yeah. Sophomore? Sophomore, junior. Sophomore, junior year. So, man, right off the bat, right off the bat, I would say, I would say these hobbies that you mentioned, where's he from? Seattle. Snowmobiling, dirt biking, hunting, and scuba diving. Doesn't it feel like, Timmy, you could go to the, the places where these things are done and find like-minded people hmm. right at the bat. Yeah, and it sounds like the people that he does life with, whether it's 
at church or it's because he goes to a pretty large church, he said, 1,500 yep. people. Yep. It's, you know, a youth group setting or maybe it's within the homeschool kind of world that he's in, a homeschool co-op that he just tends not to be doing life with the same the people that enjoy the stuff that he does outside of that. So yep. I can see the, the challenge. Sure. That's definitely challenging. Yeah, I see the challenge. Timmy, I would go to, you got winter coming up. This 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 email came yesterday, so we're relevant. We got winter time coming up. I would go to the mountain. And what's yeah. that mountain right outside of Seattle? It's beautiful. Um, Mount Rainier. Uh, Rainier, Rainier, Rainier is south of Seattle. Um, there's a good ski resort not far from him called Mission Ridge. That Mission Ridge. I'm a fan of. It's You have to kind of go over the Cascades. I would go there, and I would go to the snowmobiling place the rental place yeah. you know and i would go up to the dude that works there and just go hey my name's timmy man i love snowmobiling and i don't have anybody to do it with me yeah is there anyone that comes in here every day or and he and he's probably gonna go man everyone that comes here loves snowmobiling yeah come come back here tomorrow at three o'clock we have a group going there's seven of us and we we take the hard trail yeah you know and it's we, we go overnight and we camp and you're gonna just you're just gonna fall face first into this group of friends that love what you do. And I would say too that if you if you found that there was maybe somebody that was even slightly uh, receptive to the times that you talk about snowmobiling or hunting or just outdoor adventures, invite them and totally just figure out a way to make it to where it costs them nothing. Like, hey, just come with me. Have you ever gone hunting or have you ever stalked an animal or have you ever gone snowmobiling? I'd love for you to be my guest. I want you to check it out because it is so cool. And just see if there's somebody that's been somewhat receptive and invite something. them along. I've got something for you. It just occurred to me when you're saying it. So for some reason, I was wondering why he said these people have nothing in common with me. They like cameras and businesses. It's weird that he said that. But when you said it, you started saying, I said, I thought, man, Ask the camera guy to go yeah, and, and come take in. videos yes. as part of a business. And make a cool video make series. Make a video. A or a video. hunting, yeah, hunting uh, all show. These, perfect. Go to your camera guy. I mean, that's what I've done my whole life. I gravitate towards the camera guys, and I'm like, hey, will you come to my show and film? And um, this is perfect. Well, that is a good there's, idea. There's your connection, Timmy. When you have a really famous hunting show on Netflix, we're going to call that the second spinoff, Timmy. Yes. Okay. We only take 10%. <laughs> well, we got time for one more question here. Let's, let's do it. Let's knock one out. Um, uh, gosh, I don't know if this is going to be easy or not. The title is, Pastor Chad, Am I Wrong? <laughs> All right. Hey there, my name is Tess. I've really enjoyed listening to the podcast, especially when Pastor Chad is on. I'm a single mother with a young son. I left my husband because he had anger issues. He was emotionally, mentally, and physically abusive towards me. We were married for six years without really realizing I was living in domestic violence. Mm. I've been told by many, including pastors, that I have no grounds for leaving him, parentheses, filing for divorce, because there wasn't infidelity and he didn't leave me. I believe this to be legalistic. We've tried counseling, and I wanted him to admit he had anger issues. He never did, and thought that the problem was our marriage instead. I don't know if I've gone against God, and I'm just confused as to what I sh should have done. I think about this quite often, so I hope you could lead me to some insight. I appreciate it. God bless. Tess. 
So she's asking if she's wrong to have either filed for divorce or to have left. I would say if you, if somebody is in an abusive relationship, there is no question, get out of that. Separate yourself from the situation immediately for you and your son. So I don't think you're wrong to do that. So that's her question. She's saying because there wasn't domestic violence. Oh, I thought she was saying so, because there wasn't infidelity. Because, I'm sorry, she, there wasn't infidelity. You're right, you're right. I read that wrong. Without realizing it, I was living in domestic violence, but there wasn't infidelity. There is. Yeah, um, I would say truly you're, you're right in separating yourself from the situation for both you and your son. That is absolutely supported. You know, husbands are called to live with their lives in an understanding way, to regard them as the, the weaker vessel, meaning they're to be their protectors, not the one that brings them harm. And so in that circumstance, any husband that is abusive in any way, shape, or form is in violation of what they've been called to do, to love their bride like Christ loves the church. Like, that's a clear violation. Um, it does, you know, there are, are definitely um, passages that talk about grounds for divorce, and there's even... Um, theological positions and, and, and theologians that talk about there's no grounds for divorce and that the passages within Matthew that kind of give grounds for divorce are, are no grounds at all. And so without going into that level of theological controversy, uh, there's, there's certainly a wise step that you've taken, and it is God's heart that nobody divorces. Anybody who's been married— his desire because of what marriage means and how it represents him and his church, that's never his desire. However, we live in a fallen and broken world, and so there are going to be times where the marriage is fractured and is broken, but know this, it is never his desire that a marriage not work. He he also never desires anyone to be lost. He, he He desires all to be saved. He desires there never to be murder. But we know that not everyone's saved. We know that there is murder. We know that there is divorce. And he calls it, he, Paul talks about this in the New Testament for those that are, for women that become Christians and are with unbelieving husbands, he does not tell them to divorce their unbelieving husbands, but he says to live with them in an understanding way and to serve them and to love them in an effort to possibly win them to the Lord. Now, this circumstance is, is different because there is this abusive component. Um, you know, so you're not wrong to separate. The, the question about divorce is, is a much more difficult question. My encouragement in this situation is to, to remain separated, but if, if you're willing to engage in counseling, pastoral counseling or uh, professional Christian counseling, do that and see if there's a way that restoration of your marriage can occur. I would say divorce is a last, absolute last, last, last resort. Is that she's going through it or she hasn't divorced yet? Seems like she, she said, was... I left my husband, but they, that sounds like it's not finalized yet. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take a break and then I'm going to be back and I'm going to, I'm going to stick on this question. Tess, I want to, I want to talk about something that you might be wrong about and I'll leave it at that. Thanks for listening, everybody. 
sponsor for today's podcast is StoryWorth. This holiday season, I want to give the gift to my loved ones that make them feel special and unique, just like the relationship that we share. That's why I'm giving everyone I care about StoryWorth. This is a great gift. StoryWorth is it's an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve precious memories and stories for year to co- years to come. It's a thoughtful and meaningful gift that connects you to those who matter the most. See, every week, StoryWorth emails your relative or friend a thought-provoking question of your choice from their vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks the question that you never thought to ask, like, for instance, what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? Or if you could see into the future, what would you find out? Just really unique questions that would, that would help really pinpoint a really precious memory from this person. And after one year, StoryWorth will compile, compile all of your loved ones' stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. So perfect for somebody that is really hard to buy for during the holiday season. Like they have everything or they're, they're content with everything. You can't, you can't just go and buy them something. So this is something that, that really is more meaningful that, that they could, they could really cherish. And it's a great gift to give. With StoryWorth, I'm giving those I love most a thoughtful, personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories and stories for years to come. Go to storyworth.com slash Granger and save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash Granger to save $10 on your first purchase. I also have to thank Raycon for sponsoring the podcast today. It's never too early to start gift shopping for the holidays, especially because today you could save on a big gift that they'll use every single day. Raycon Wireless earbuds. You could save big on this right now if you listen to what I'm saying. I have talked about Raycon for a long time. They are amazing wireless earbuds and I have to use them all the time. I have to use them on planes and traveling on the bus and listening to podcasts, researching different different uh, sermon ideas that I'm going to do. I'm always listening, listening, listening. And, uh, and right now I'm working on new music, so I've got to be listening a lot to for that too. But with seamless Bluetooth pairing and a comfortable noise isolating fit, you could start listening right away and keep listening for hours. The audio quality is amazing compared to what you get from other premium brands, except Raycon starts at half the price. The new everyday earbuds come with three new sound profiles to make sure that you're listening to exactly what you want to be listening to with just the right amount of bass. They have pure mode, balance mode, and bass mode. Depending on what you're listening to, Raycon offers eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. That's really good. There's also a built-in mic so you could take calls on your earbuds at just the press of a button. This holiday season, get them something they could use for calls or music or work or play at home or on the go. Or pick up a few a pair for yourself. Trust me, you're going to use them every single day. Go to buyraycon.com slash Granger today and unlock exclusive deals up to 20% off your Raycon order. But hurry, this offer is available for a limited time only and you don't want to miss it. That's buyraycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash Granger to unlock a 20% off your next Raycons, buyraycon.com slash Granger. And finally, today's podcast is brought to you by Ship Station, another wonderful company I read all the time on this podcast. The holidays are the most wonderful time of the year. But if you're running an online store, you could know they could also be the craziest time of the year. 
You've got inventory to manage, orders to fill, and a growing list of stressed out customers checking in twice a day, wondering whether those last minute gifts will even arrive in time. With ShipStation, the hassle of shipping out holiday orders melts away, leaving you with a happier customer and more freedom to run your business or enjoy some much needed time off. We have used ShipStation for a long time at Yiki Apparel, and it has constantly leveled up our game and, and allowed us to not worry so much about the intricacies of the very complicated shipping business, but just a few clicks of a button. You could actually even use your cell phone. You're running an online store, and we love it for that no matter how big or small we've been in the past. ShipStation has worked perfectly for us. If you sell anything online... I don't need to tell you that it could be super frustrating to ship. And there's so many carriers. I mean, how do you even know where to start? And with all these people shopping this year, it's, it just it just adds to the stress. ShipStation makes the makes it easy to run your, your part of your business in your online store. So you can get back to doing what you're most passionate about. That's growing your business. Easily import, import orders for every sales channel, whether it's Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or your own website. Just and just automate uh, any shipping task. So it's all from a e- very easy-to-use dashboard. You could change your shipping solution, um, and that, that just seems daunting. It seems very difficult. But with the holidays here, it's time to start thinking about making a change. ShipStation works with all the major carriers like FedEx, UPS, USPS, and you could even get discounted rates that are usually reserved for just the big, big-time Fortune 500 companies. So... Not only is shipping easy with ShipStation, but you could actually save money. And 98% of the companies that use ShipStation for a year keep on using it for their business. It's that good. Make this holiday season a little brighter with ShipStation. Use my offer code Granger to get a 60-day free trial. Just enough time to handle the holiday rush. Just go to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code Granger. ShipStation, make ship happen. Okay, so Tess, I want to say something here. And and the only reason I'm going to say this coming out of the, this break is I want to go through all of these emails that you guys send with the fine-tooth comb and I want to read I want to read through what I what it sounds like you're saying. And so first of all, I want to I just want to acknowledge that I think you're doing everything right. I think you're you're right to leave a domestic violence abusive relationship. Absolutely. But I want to lean into something you said and wonder if there is something in here that maybe is something you could wrestle with within yourself. When you said this, you said, we tried counseling and I just wanted him to admit he had anger issues. He never did and thought the problem was our marriage. We can't always go into problems with 100% fingers facing the other way with none facing us. And I'm not saying that you were wrong or he was all right or wrong. And I'm just saying when you're, when you're going into counseling as if it's all him, even though it might be, but you're going into counseling like it is all his problem and you just need him to admit that he's wrong, hmm. you're not going to get a positive result out of that. You're never going to get... He's not going to go, okay, you're right, babe. You were right all along. I ha- I admit it, I have anger issues. Like, that's not going to, he's just not going to do that unless you go into the counseling and go, babe, I got, 
I have things I have to work on too. And I want you to know that I love you. And I, I decided to love you a long time ago. And that's why we got married. And that's why we had a child together. And, and although I'm not happy with the way that this is turning out right now, I want you to know that I'm also working on myself as well. Mm-hmm. And, and see if th- that kind of humility, not backing down to him, not, not admitting that he's right about any kind of abuse, but if you just approach with a humility into counseling, I wonder mm-hmm. if that changes anything. Yeah, I mean, the, the passage in, uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians 7, where it talks about uh, unbelieving wives, you know, staying with, or believing wives with unbelieving husbands, the idea is that they would remain with their husbands in a, in a humble, with a humble heart. Right. And so this idea of humility, God uses that. It's transformative when, when that happens. And so there is something to be said. Now, again, we're not saying, hey, go and just you know, engage in a relationship and just go into this abusive situation again, be wise and, but don't give up on the marriage. That's what I would say that fight for the marriage because God's desire is that your marriage would display, you know, Christ's love uh, to a watching world and, and to see restoration. And that would be my heart again, not having met you don't know many details about the situation, but Divorce is absolutely a last resort, and so protect you and your son. But as Granger said, seek counseling and ask the Lord for a heart of humility as you engage in that counseling and see if there's work that that he wants to do in you. And he might do that in you and through you to your husband. God is fully capable of changing the heart of your husband. Absolutely. Absolutely. A quick answer to, to what I think what you really wanted us to say is are these pastors wrong by telling you you have no grounds for leaving him? Yes, they're wrong. You're wrong about that. You absolutely, you're, you're domestically abused. You absolutely have grounds for leaving in, in, for protection. So there is that, but that's not that's not the whole story here. Right. So Yeah. And it's in the difference between leaving or separating versus divorce. There's all kinds of theological discussion that can happen around that. Absolutely. Um. Man, you picked an easy one on that last one. Mm. I get so many emails for you now. And I told you this before we started, that I literally have to just file them away, and I'm I'm never going to get to all of them. But So I'm wondering, do we keep doing these Pastor Chad emails? Because here's another one. Okay. It says, for Pastor Chad, hi, Granger and Pastor Chad, is church really important? My name is Zach. I'm 19 years old. Growing up, I was always told that going to services is important but I couldn't really understand why. And recently I found that I connected to God much better when I prayed to him on my own rather than praying together with the congregation. I love your music, Granger. I was just at your show in Warren, Ohio. Had an amazing time. You really made me feel like I was very special. Okay. Um, so this comes from Zach, 19. This is a simple answer, really. And Zach... Um, Yes, it's important. It's, it's, it's important, but, but it's not the first step. The, it's not the first, going to church is not your first step. And so if you're looking at it like, do I need to go to church to get closer to God? The answer is no. That answer is always no. In fact, we had a discussion before this podcast about other religions that would think that. Yeah. That was, you, you do things to get closer to God. You pray, you, you, you repent, you, you go to church, 
you help old ladies across the street more and more and more and more, and you get closer to God. That's not Christianity. So the reason I say it in, in that way, will going to church help me? No. Going to Jesus will help you. And going to Jesus and falling madly in love with him as your Lord and Savior, if you do that, you're going to want to go to church so badly. Sunday morning is going to roll around and you're going to wake up and you go, church day. Mm. I can't wait to get with fellow believers to share the, 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 to share in the same ideas that I have. And then we could wrestle with the same theological things and we could, we could pray together for our city and for our town and for our families. And I can get a, a, just a big old jump shot into the week. That's what, that's where you want to be, but you can't do it in reverse. You can't say, I want to, I don't really want to go to church to get closer to God. I've, I'm fine just praying on my own. Yeah. Talk yeah, to us, Pastor yeah, Chad. Yeah, I, I mean, I echo what Granger says. It is not necessary to know the Lord by going to church. You can certainly, obviously, have an individual walk with the Lord, and as you said, you experience a closeness to God on your own. And when you pray by yourself you feel more connected to the Lord than when you pray with other people at church. So yes, it is possible. However, God designed this whole thing to be done in community, that you were not never meant to be alone as you walk with him. It was You think about all of the times in the New Testament where he commands them to one another, love one another, serve one another. You think of the fruits of the Spirit. They all require somebody else. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things that we do in the context of a community. We experience the, the fruit of the Spirit. And there are gifts of the Spirit that are given to believers in order to serve one another as the whole body. So do you need the church? Yes, but also no. Like You don't need the church in order to connect with God. However, God has designed you to be a part of the church. And so attending service on a Sunday morning is one thing, but being a part of a local body is absolutely necessary because that's what God intends for you, that you won't experience the fullness of what God has for you in isolation. It's intended to be experienced in the body of Christ with all members using their gifts to serve one another and to draw out a greater understanding of who he is, and also so a watching world sees just what he's like. The church is the bride of Christ. To reject the church is to reject the bride of the Lord. So, so to, to speak to that, so Zach, what Chad's saying is, if you said, you say, I like you, Granger. I like you as, as a human, but I just don't like Amber at all. Right. That's what you're saying. Because if the church is the bride of Christ, then you're saying, I like, I like Granger, but I don't like Amber. And you're telling me you hate me in a way. Like, you don't really like me if you don't like my bride. You don't like my music enough if you say, I just like listening to his music at home, but I have no desire to see him in concert. Yeah. That says more about how much you like my music. Because if you really loved it, if you really loved my music... You'd say, I got to go see him in concert. Mm -hmm. I got to save up my money. I, I got to get on a plane. I got to get in my truck. I got to go see him no matter what it takes. That's going to show the level of your love for my music. The same as it's going to show your level of love for God. If you go, Sunday's here. I got to find a church. 
hey, this if this has something to do with you not liking your church, there's plenty of other ones. Yeah. Give me an email. I'll help you find one. Chad, what is your email? <laughs> uh, you can email takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com, and yeah. I will respond to you. There's a, a, a buddy or a, a pastor friend of mine uses the analogy that, you know, the way that Christians talk about church is interesting in that we talk about it as a location or a destination, something we go to. But if you talk to somebody who's been in a gang, they don't talk about gang in the same way that we talk about church. They don't say, hey, what'd you think of gang yesterday? That was really fun. (laughs) Or, hey, are you going to gang tonight? Or, man, gang really made me feel like, you know, empowered or... Or just man, what a powerful time at gang this morning! No, we don't. They don't talk. They are the gang. They're a part of the gang. Wow! But they don't go to gang. But we talk about going to church because we have wow. we fall into this mindset of it's a location that I go to, not an identity that we are. We are the church. Where two or more are gathered in His name, He is there. So good. Granger, He's here, right? Because two or more are gathered. That is so good. So. What I would say, Zach, is don't think of it as going to gang. Realize that you are a part of the church. Mm. And so what you experience in, in your personal time and in isolation is great, but that's meant to be shared with other believers. That's meant for you to share and pass along with other people. And yes, it can happen on a Sunday morning as everyone gathers at that big building, but that building is not the church. You're the church. And you're a part of it, so you got to be a part of it. So good. Let's go to, let's see, this one came in. Oh, we're just going to dive in. It's too late. Like once I pull it up and start reading, it's too late. Yeah, I, gotta, I can't, in. can't bail in. on it. This came in yesterday. It says, hey, Granger, love your podcast. I'm an avid listener. To get to my point, my fiance a few weeks ago decided to tell me that she wasn't happy anymore. We have an 18-month-old son together, and he is my world. I love watching him learn and grow every day. But because of the breakup, I had to move out of the apartment we had together and move back into my parents' house. She is my favorite person, and I loved spending time with her. I loved doing everything with her, from laying around on lazy Sunday weekends, lazy weekends, to trying new restaurants, to going to the same park we've been to a hundred times. I feel lost and broken. I feel empty inside. I don't know what to do with myself. I have no want to get up and go to work or do anything. The only reason I do so is for my son so that I have the means to take care of him. I just don't know what to do with myself. I've lost my person and I don't know how to go on. Thanks in advance for your time. I appreciate you taking the time to read this and respond. Regards, Jay Matthews. This is the one that has the phone number on it. Oh, wow. Should we call him right now? (laughs) Jay, I'm sorry, buddy. Great question. Um, And and, and I guess before we dive into it, just want to say um, I acknowledge your pain Mm -hmm. and and the hurt. It's real. And, And I know this is very common in your story, as we've gone through this podcast over so many episodes, we've seen this story repeat itself, and and we, we'll dig into to what to do or what we think you could do going forward, and we could dig into your feelings. But I just I want to say to everyone listening right off the bat, and this is Jay, this is not 
brother, please hear me. Please hear me. This is not a knock on you mm-hmm. or, or your life or your upbringing. But I want to say that the reason God commands in the Bible to, to save sex before marriage and to, to covet relationships in marriage and not before mm. and to not live together in that sense for, in all, because of all the sexual tension. But the reason he says it is not to make our lives bad or to, to hurt us or to make us, you know, to make us prudes or in any way degrade us. He does it because he's protecting us from your story, mm-hmm. from unfolding, because he knows. Yeah. He knows because, because he created us in his image. He knows through that creation how we're going to find peace and joy and happiness and love and how we're going to prosper. And so he builds this, this perfect scenario that we could follow that if we do, we're going we're gonna to see the fruits of it. And if we don't, we're going to feel this pain that you're talking about, that's a real pain. And once again, this is not a knock on you. This is just, I, I want to use this as an example to everyone listening of the perfect scenario of the, the storm hits at the right time if you, if you don't have it ready and lined up biblically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the, it's the unfortunate and painful fruit of doing things our own way. Yeah. And and veering from God's perfect design, and so again, Jay, we're not we're not trying to throw you under the bus here, but your pain is real, and I'm sure anyone listening to this is going, man, that that sounds terrible. It sounds painful. It's a rough situation for your son, for you, and even your fiance. And yeah. and you know, I'm grateful to hear you're able to be back with your parents, that there's a network of support around you. Yeah. I don't know if you're a praying man or not, but I would begin wearing out. I would have calluses on my knees praying for my fiance, praying for restoration, and asking the Lord to do a work in you that that needs to happen in order for that restoration to occur. Again, we've talked about it earlier on this podcast that when it comes to relationships, we often just want the other person to get fixed, but we, we're we not quick to look at our own situation and find out where we need to get right and where we need to get things in order. So again, Jay, um, challenging and prayer, uh, I would say, is, is, a, is a great next step and continue to lean into that network of support, your parents, yeah. friends, other people around you. Um, because there's nothing that hurts like a broken heart. And it sounds like that's what you got. And man, we feel you. That's, that's tough. She might not come back, Jay. She yeah. might not. Um, and probably the odds are against her coming back to, to if, if she just decides she's not happy. I'm assuming you guys are pretty young. If you're moving back to your parents' house, you have an 18 month old son together. This is your first um, fiance. I'm assuming all this equals you're pretty young there's good news. Jesus came to save sinners. I am one of them. Chad is one of them. Neither one of us are better than you in any way. We, we are just, we're, we're speaking from what we've read in the Bible and, and from quite frankly, the world that we've lived in for so long now. And I could tell you that there's hope for you, that there is restoration for you, that there is a new relationship in your future, mm-hmm. someone that will, accept this son of yours and, and, and as adopted son into their life. And then you could start over with her and, and we would be 
praying that that would come from a responsible relationship that turns into a marriage that's not a drawn out, you know, three year engagement or or crazy dating cycle that you go through, but this ends up in a quick marriage that's a, that's a a decision that you have made that you're going to make a commitment to someone and that that you have learned from this and been able to take that and grow from it. You know that these trials, it's like it's like when fire refines silver. Mm-hmm. And, and gold, and it makes it more pure, and it makes it moldable, but it takes that heat. It takes the trial, the, the suffering, the bad situation to refine the silver and the gold to make it more pure and to make it better than it was before. Mm-hmm. And right now you're in the fire. It hurts. It looks like there's no way out. But the backside of this is this, this refined version of yourself. And so we hope that you learn from that, that refining that you learn, and you, and you, you go, you know what? I'm protecting myself. I'm a better person now. I'm refined. I've learned a lot. I heard Granger and Chad on this podcast, and and I'm not going to put myself in this kind of situation again. I'm not going to play house with the next girl. Right. I'm not going to sit around on lazy weekends and go to the park and go to trying new restaurants unless this is my wife. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't, I'm vulnerable. My force field is down. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm the Death Star's force field is down, and Luke Skywalker's coming in with his missiles, <laughs> right? Like, dude, you got to get that force field up, and that is that is with a responsible marriage, and this is in your future. If 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 you believe this, if not, this could be a pattern where this happens again, and God forbid, another child with another girl that decides she's not happy anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's this never-ending cycle. The, the decision is up to you right now. Yeah, the assumption right now is that she's the one and and that's all you can see right now. And I think what, what Granger is, is doing a great job of is helping you see that maybe she's not the best pairing for you. Maybe she's not the one. And, and, be, and because of the scenario, you're prone to think that, no, I've got to make this work. And you're not married yet. You're you were engaged, and maybe it's a a good thing that she's she's separated, and and it gives you a chance to kind of get some things in order and and get a perspective that you need in order to really lean into the right relationship you need to have with whoever that is in the future. So, I think that's a good word, Granger. Well, thank you, Jay, for the email, buddy. And um, please keep us updated on this, no matter how long it takes. I'd I'd love to hear back from you. Um, oh, golly, these, these emails, guys, these emails, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to hit one more and this is the one that popped up. It's, it's subject is married life. Hmm. Hey Granger, I've been married for almost eight years and my husband, uh, have been with my husband for 11. We have two kids together and I have one from a previous relationship. My husband is controlling and degrading me all, all caps, all the time. I love him. I don't want our marriage to end. But I can't handle the degrading any longer. What do I do? Thanks for listening. This is Alicia in Napoleon, Idaho. I'm excuse me, Ohio. I can't read Napoleon, Ohio. So, man, man we, we just got some get, marriage ones today. We just get. We just get. Sometimes on these questions, I feel like I'm getting drugged behind a pickup truck in the dirt. Literally, you guys. I'm so sorry, um, Alicia, 
married eight years, been with your husband for 11, two kids together, and one from a previous relationship. So, mm-hmm. so Jay, you hearing this, Jay? <laughs> like this, Jay, this is the pattern that it could turn into. Like there's the, there's the kid from the previous relationship, and then you jump into another one, kind of mindlessly, maybe it's a rebound, maybe you're just, you're, you're at a bar, and it's like, well, this is the next best option, and I need a, I need a, a, a mother for my son, you know, and you jump into it, and then fast forward to eight years down the road, and here you are again with Alicia. I'm so sorry, Alicia, um, you have a husband that's degrading and controlling, We'll call this one the, the marriage podcast today. Yeah, there's a lot of that. And when I've been on here in the past and we've we've had questions similar or scenarios similar, relationship questions, it seems to come down a lot to communication, right? That there is you're wondering what to do. You don't want you don't want your marriage to end, but you don't want it to stay the way it is. Mm. And so something's gotta give and I don't know how you've been trying to communicate this. I'm guessing it's not working. If you have, if you haven't, then you need to explore a way. You know your husband. You've been with this guy for 11 years. You know him. You know how he best receives information. You know how he, you know, the scenario that's best to approach him with something that might be challenging and difficult and, you know, no one likes to to hear that you've you've been controlling or something like that. So you've got to figure out what's the best way to approach him, but you've got to communicate that this is how you feel and that neither of you probably enjoy the scenarios where he, you know, he's acting like that or treating you like that. No one likes that. So you got to find a way to to communicate with him about that. And Alicia, the way to not communicate it is to go to him and say, Hey, you control and degrade me. And it's either, either you got to stop it or this marriage is done because that's not going to work. No, it's never going to work. You have to humble yourself so many times. I mean, we have to humble ourselves before God in first, in the first place. It starts there. And then we also have to humble ourselves to other humans around us. We really just do. We, we have to put the ego aside. Alicia, not saying that you, you have an ego problem at all. But, but you're going to have to really pull back and humble yourself to your husband. And, and then what we hope in return is that you'll get that, you'll get that in return from him. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not talking about, ladies, I'm not talking about backing down or, or, or accepting abuse or being submissive in, in an abusive relationship. I'm not saying that. It's not what I mean by humbling yourself. I just mean come, come start the conversation from an an equal footing where it's like, hey, I am equally wrong in what's happening. The result of this marriage is bad, and I'm coming from an, an equally bad place in my mm-hmm. life. It's not all you. In fact, I wouldn't say you at all. I would just say, I would say, I love you. I don't want this marriage to end, and I want to do anything I can to help fix it and to 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 be a better wife to you how could i be a better wife to you and maybe you're going to uncover some stuff that you didn't even know was there maybe it's this and this and this that you're things that you're doing and you didn't know you were doing that's causing this controlling degrading attitude for him hmm. i can't say enough times that i'm not telling you to submit to abuse at all mm-hmm. i'm just saying 
humble yourself in the situation and and show him compassion and love because so many times in human relationships that you will get that back from him. If you make yourself vulnerable, he will let his guard down, his force field. He'll let it down yeah. and be vulnerable back to you. Then you could actually, you, you guys could have a conversation. Yeah, and th- there's certainly probably a culture in the home that this does for the the kids involved. And so no dad wants a culture in his home that is, you know, people are despairing or feel oppressed or, yeah, are scared of or just don't want to be around. And so find find that way as you humble yourself, I think, to just explore, you know, what he wants in yeah. in the nature of your marriage and, and what, what he ultimately envisions for the culture of your home and and see if there are ways that you know you could take steps in that chad and i will both say and we we don't have to say it with every question but i promise you we think it with every question but we would we would both tell you to run to your church run to the local church find yeah. you a good one get connected there and pour out your problems to 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 a small group or to people around you yeah that you could trust and 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 let them pour into you with with advice and with with counseling and and with with ideas that to bring your husband in. You don't have to bring him in the first time. You could just go by yourself. Just show up at the doorstep one day. Yeah. And just say, My name's Alicia. I'm in a bad relationship. I need help. I love this man. Mm-hmm. And you, bottom line with all this is you can't do it at home by yourself alone. You need to you need to involve him. You need to involve wise counsel. You need to run to the church. Amen. That's all the time we have. We've 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 burned through another podcast. That was fun. That was so fun. It was hard stuff though. I know. <laughs> I know. My heart, man, my heart is for you guys and through these emails and that you you trust me with your questions. Thank you for that. Um Chad and I both just love you for that. You can find more of Chad on the Take and Read podcast on any app or YouTube. You could also email him at takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next Monday. Love you guys. Yee yee. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith Podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel, hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Yee yee.